Hello, and welcome back to the Double Take Podcast with Jess and Jenny, where we give our takes on all things TV. Today, we're doing a best of Netflix episode, which I feel like is probably the biggest, probably will be the longest, maybe most exciting of the best ofs we're doing, just because Netflix has been around the longest in terms of original content. They have the most to pick from. So I'm excited and also scared. I have much more than five things on my list. I think I I told you, I texted you when I had like 11. I now have 15, but we're not going to talk about all of them. <laughs> we're going to focus. so many. There's just so much content on Netflix. Like Netflix started doing original series so like soon out the gate. Is that a phrase? It sounds right. I also want to just quickly apologize for the, I, I don't know if anyone notices, but the, um, microphone that I'm using currently is not my usual microphone because I am traveling and if it sounds bad it's my fault I'm sorry Jenny is always at a wedding if you've learned anything from <laughs> listening to us it's that she's always gone and she's always at weddings but that is the time of life we're in all of Carter's friends are getting married none of my friends I mean one of my it doesn't matter it's I'm all him. it's his fault yeah but I'm not going to your wedding yet <laughs> next year it has not been yet my friend's time to be traveling all over the the world for weddings okay we should get into it because i'm getting nervous <laughs> i know we're gonna have to like keep ourselves shorter as we talk about yes. them but also okay so the last few we did we said we were doing top three really we ended up doing like top five for prime and yeah Pe- peacock what was the other one we did no we did um we did apple tv apple, first prime and apple. that was the easiest and yeah i feel like we've gotten like a little harder and now like really we we doing the hardest one we are doing the hardest one now because there's so many. But I I think let's start with the five, like we normally do five yeah. and then through one and then honorable mentions at the end, because if we've talked too long, we can just keep those short. So let's start with number five. You go first. Okay. All right. Mine, uh, as we know, I'm shitty at, at ranking things. I feel like, who am I to say what's better than another? In different moods, you feel different ways. But that being said, with all of with all of that context. I'm going to start editing out your preface <laughs> no. every single time you rank something. My number five is Grace and Frankie. Oh, cute. Yeah. Grace I, and Frankie. I had it further down the list and then I was like, no, you know what? This is a standby. It's a very cute. I would watch it again. I, I have watched the first couple of seasons over again. Um, if you don't know, it's an American comedy. Tell I say American because some of my things on the list are... Uh, German and otherwise British. It's about these two women, two older women who were not really friends, but they were family friends. Like they're as couples, their husbands were friends and they were friends. And then their husbands leave them for each other. And so they form this bond at the age of, I don't know, above 60, 70. Um, so it's these two aging women who form this unlikely friendship it's a comedy. It's so sweet. And just like Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda are the two main characters, oh, Grace and Frankly. Incredible. Oh, so good. And then the the like supporting cast is amazing too. Martin Sheen, Sam Watterson are the two husbands that leave each other. I mean, that that get together. <laughs> um it's just like a lot of it's like it's such a it was such a fresh series. It's been on for a while now, but um I it's so delightful. I've used that word far too often, but there is no other word to describe Grace and Frankie no, except that's delightful. The perfect word for it. And that's why I said, oh fun when you said it, because it makes <laughs> me like I literally just smile thinking about that show. I know. 
I'm gonna, it's not on my to... list, but now I want it to be on my list. It's okay, in my it honorable, honorable mentions. mentions. Well, sure. yeah, it was. It's in my honorable mentions, and I didn't put it higher because I feel like I always forget about it for some reason. Like in my list of comedies that I always rewatch, it's not on there. But I think it should be probably. It yeah. was such a good watch through the first time, but I haven't rewatched it. And now I'm and I just like, think I want to. I love the like representation. There are not that many TV shows where an older cast is like the main focus. And I just love that it's still so light and funny and it's not about all of these like heavy issues. I mean, it does. I, it like goes, there are it some, but it's not. Yeah. Yeah, it's also it's about like yeah, local like a theater, celebration like, and all these random yeah comedic bits. A celebration of female friendship and of relationships in general and like families. It's really good. Okay, what's your number five? Well, I'm oh, I wanted to be Grace and Frankie now, but okay, <laughs> I, I really struggled with this because well, no, I don't need to preface it like you preface it. Anyway, my number five is beef, which I feel like okay. I've talked about at this point a lot of times on the podcast because it came out recently or at least this year. And so I won't go into a whole thing, but it's an A24 production. It's Ali Wong, Stephen Young. It's such a good dark comedy, which I feel like is already kind of a niche genre, but then to be really, really good within that genre, I think is hard. It's just a hard tone to balance. And so when it's really good, I love it because that's like, it's my favorite genre probably. So when it's really good, it really hits for me. I really liked Beef. I liked these other shows that are on my list better, and maybe this is recency bias, but it's on here, number five. Yeah, it's not on my list. And that's only because I hesitate to say, I don't think I've seen the last two episodes because I was doing the thing that you had originally recommended, which was like to space out the show. And it is really well done and really good. But I it, I haven't been in the mode where I'm like, okay, with the angst <laughs> that I think yeah. I need to be in. Especially the last two episodes. Those are intense. Yeah, I'm glad that I've saved them then because I don't think I, that would, I would not have enjoyed it, but I recognize that as a good number five. Thank you. Ugh, I, approval. Anytime. We can't get, we can't get upset every time we're about to say the next number. <laughs> <laughs> it's just going to happen. Uh, this is absolutely recency bias. This doesn't, no, I'm not saying it. I'm moving this down. I'm, Ooh, now I, I know, know I'm pulling a quick switcheroo and I'm gonna say Queen's Gambit okay as my number four which is a weird choice I understand and I may regret it as soon as I say it is it weird a lot of people loved that show I I really liked it I've watched it at least three times through which is why I think it deserves to be up here granted one of the times was watching it through with Carter so I don't know if that counts I feel like watching it with a person but the fact that I have wanted to watch it completely that many times through I don't know says something about what it's made so uh the story I believe is based on a book it follows a 1960s chess champion Beth Harmon not a real chess champion this is a fictitious person played by Anya Taylor-Joy uh and she's got a quite a, a rocky road to her chess stardom she begins we begin early in her life as um an orphan and then sort of follow her life through to young 20s and she finds this love for chess. And it's just like the the production. First of all, Anya Taylor-Joy just like oh, has all the space in my heart. Uh, she's so good in this and in everything. But um, the, the like production of this, it's a mini series, is so good. I love shows that make me feel 
like I'm there, like no, no part of the production took me out of it. It's just like a very vibesy 1960s kind of dark. They use a lot of green, which just happens to be my favorite color. I know that's kind of like a, an aside, but I, I just, it's like beautiful to watch. And also the story is I like an underdog story. It's a sports movie, but about chess. <laughs> it's just like, nice. uh, and there there's some darkness in it. And ultimately, it's like a really great arc, a really great character arc. And I just think it's really well done. And it's now my number four instead of something else, which I will <laughs> reveal later. Tell me. Which way? It was sex education. It was just, it's because I just was watching it. Whoa. I know. Interesting. Okay. My know, number but, four. Yeah. What were you going to say? I, sex education is, a, is an honorable mention. It does not, I don't want it to be. I'm like, I'm doubting my own list now. Okay. Now my number four is Alice in Borderland. Oh, I haven't seen this, but I know you think it. Yeah, I know it's good. Yeah. I honestly don't know if you would like it. Wait, did you watch Squid Game? Mm -hmm. And you liked that? I did. And I don't want to reveal anything, but it is on my honorable mention list. It's not on my top five. No, that's fine. I guess I'm asking because... They're very similar shows. They get compared all the time. And I think it's an obvious comparison. They're both based around this concept of like you play a game or you die. And that's a, it's a jarring enough premise for it to be like, if that's the premise, it's always going to get compared to Squid Game. I actually don't know which one premiered first, but it's so clearly not a copy of each other in really any other way. But like I said, that premise is so like strong that it's like if you didn't like Squid Game because it was too like gruesome or violent, you're certainly not going to like Alice in Borderland. So that's why I was asking if you liked Squid Game to see if I could recommend this to you. But I think if you can get past, if you can see past the violence of Squid Game and still appreciate it, like definitely watch Alice in Borderland. I think it's a more thoughtful, it's a more psychologically interesting show and the sort of, I won't say too much but the sort of like twists and the and the places the story goes i think so far at least there are two seasons of alice in borderland compared to only one so far of squid game so alice in borderland has like a more complete story but i think the places that the story goes in alice are just more interesting i think it's it stuck with me for a lot longer than the end of the, of the first season of Squid Game mm-hmm. did. And I think about the end of Alice in Borderland like all the time. Like it's just such a well done. I don't know. I just love what they did with the ending. I love what they did with the story. It's such an interesting story. And yeah, I I really like it. I thought about putting it higher, but here it is. Yeah, it's one of those that I will have to wait. Uh, I did like Squid Game. It got to me more than I anticipated it would. I like... I definitely was watching with like a, a blanket in front of my eyes kind of kind of thing. Yeah, I'm surprised you watched that. I didn't know if you'd be able to. <laughs> I like, I mean, the, the like mystery is interesting and also the social commentary, whatever. We're not talking about Squid Game. That's on my honorable mentions. <laughs> it's on mine too. It has to um, be. Number three feels, feels when I'm saying it a little like a cop out because it's so popular. It doesn't, like, I feel like I should be like, revealing some lesser known Netflix shows because there are plenty of those. But that's but not most... the point of this. We could do a no, separate episode on that. I know. Uh, I think I have to make Stranger Things my number three. I knew you were going to say Stranger Things because I put it at number two and I also felt like a basic bitch. <laughs> I, it just, it's like, it is a classic. It's like the Netflix original series. It's just I mean, so there good. are so many of those at this point, but I, 
I, I think we've talked about the fact that I really like the first two seasons a lot more than I like the following two. But even even with that, the story as a whole uh, is just so iconic. Do you want to wait to talk about it until we get no, to No, that's fine. It, okay. I mean, I don't know that we need to say, I feel like we've talked about it before. We did a whole season four like yeah. breakdown of each episode on the podcast. And I think everyone's seen it pretty much. Yeah. So there's not In too much same, to say, but. I, I don't want to say that Stranger Things and Queen's Gambit are really anything alike, except that the things that I love about the like setting and scenery of Stranger Things being so 1980s is what I was trying to say Queen's Gambit does with the 60s. It's a different thing, but I th- that's one of the things I really like about Stranger Things, just like the, yeah, the I mean that's so to hard to pull period. off. Like yeah. that's such a strong sense of place it is so hard to pull off, especially yes. in this era of like everything's just like a green screen or in a, a vacant set lot that they like barely did anything with, and no- nothing feels like it has a sense of place. And to do a period piece with such a strong sense of place, like I feel like I could. Like Hawkins feels like a place that I could live. And I mm-hmm. understand like what that would feel like, what that would look like in that yeah. time period. And there isn't anything that feels anachronistic or like off-putting. It just feels so good. It's just so well done. I feel like it's and, like a masterclass in like production design. Yes. And Stranger Things has, I know we've already, we said we've already talked about it, but it has that aspect. And then it has like good story great character work just like Winona Ryder Winona (laughs) Ryder's all of the elements just tell me that that's it that's all I need to know so if you for by some weird chance haven't seen it it's on both of our top five lists so go ahead I feel like people who haven't seen it at this point it's because they are like too scared like my one friend won't watch it no because she's literally like a scaredy cat and like thinks it's although it's really I keep telling her it's like really not it's not that scary it's not really it's not a horror show I mean you can watch it it's more spooky kind of my benchmark for like is it scary (laughs) yeah fair it's very it's but i feel like people who haven't watched it yeah are either making a stance or it's too scary for them but it's it's so good yeah so that was my number two and that was your number three yeah so what was your number three okay i'm like a little offended now (laughs) that you think (laughs) sex education education doesn't belong on your top five because it is my number three I only say that because I think I'm very, very strongly influenced by the fact that I was just watching the new and not, not because I think it's a worse show than the ones that I said, but like, I don't feel like I was being super objective when I put it on my Well, I might not be either. I am also watching the new season right now, but I was thinking about it even before this new season came out. I was thinking about how much I love this show for mostly for its ability to be exactly what it wants to be with no shame, no, like, uh, what's the word that like, not like toning it down. I, it, it sort of still boggles my mind how that happened because I feel like Netflix is a very sort of like, uh, mainstream is maybe the word I want is it's generally mainstream generally like doesn't push boundaries a lot not the way that maybe like hbo or like stars or like one of those sort of companies would have been like more known for at least back in the day like pushing the envelope and showing like sex the way sex education does is i think like pushing the envelope is it feels like not netflix and it's just like it blows my mind it's not graphic in like a pornography way that it would be, but it is graphic in like the normal way that 
sex is. It's not, I don't know how to describe. I know it's (laughs) hard to describe the show to someone who hasn't seen it, but it is, it's like the way they normalize every aspect of like bodies and sex, which like is a normal thing, but like in media, it's so often not portrayed that way. It's so often like glamorized, like, or treated as like this, like hush, hush, like secret glit, like, I don't know. It's so weird. And in media, it's like 99% of the portrayals are that. And then you have sex education on Netflix. I just like, it blows my mind that we got that show and that they've had four seasons and that like it's beloved. And that it's the, the, like the aspect you were just talking about is a huge part of why it's so good. It also handles just like dialogue character relationships, which I think all then feed into the fact that it's able to be so truthful about different people's different like uh interactions with sex and things like that uh they're like it blows my mind that the convert uh, when I was watching the most recent season there are just some quiet scenes between either two friends or or whatever like the dialogue is not super witty or crazy but every every single person in the show feels true (laughs) to who we've learned them to be and then the conversations they have with each other are feel realistic in a way that is not you know again like delightful just like happy to have something that is so nice to watch on television even when people are arguing it just feels like productive it's it's almost like therapy in a show I don't know how else to describe like it is literally sex therapy but I just everyone seems even when they're being a teenager and like not thinking quite clearly emotionally responsible and like emotionally intelligent I think that's sort of across the board in the entire show that's the case yeah it's almost like the ideal version of the world in some ways like wow it would be so great if people were this self-realized or right and there's still miscommunications and like right but they're still real and relatable I think that's a lot of it is like it's a coming-of-age story that isn't ridiculous and i mean there's a time and place for like the glossy high school stuff but showing high schoolers in a way that feels like incredibly realistic is so difficult i think it's so so difficult for adults to write in that voice and sound true and this does which is i mean probably also a lot of the reason why i like it is just like you said like everyone feels like a real person everybody feels like they're having an actual conversation that i would hear or be in like it just feels so real but then they're also handling these topics that like people don't normalize and people don't talk about in a way that at in some places can be like a little cringy because like some of the stuff is just like a little awkward to talk about but never actually feels cringy for long enough to be like oh this show is off-putting it always feels like wow they handled that so well like shockingly well like how did they make that feel normal and that's always the feeling I'm left with which is amazing yeah there's no judgment or condescension in this show when they talk when when they're talking about issues and it's not like a candy like I don't know what I was trying to say a candy floss what am I British uh (laughs) cotton candy like they don't they don't sugarcoat things but there's also just like there's this just this even space that the show exists in and it's so beautiful and also hilarious and funny and I want to be best friends with most of the characters so what's not to like in a show like that oh literally the whole cast I know we haven't talked about the cast but there's uh, so 
freaking good. Emma Mackey, I I want to oh, marry her. I'm obsessed I'm with her. I'm in love with her. She's yes. So cool and so pretty and an incredible actress. Just don't get me started on Jillian Anderson either because like, no. I'm an X Files. Also want to marry her. Dan and I mean, her in this. Everyone's so good. Everyone's so talented. I mean, that's also like a British actor thing. Like, I think you literally don't make it onto a set unless you're like Oscar quality, even if you're like the extra. Like, I think that's it how it's seen that way. Point. Literally does. But I could go on and on about this show. I So the more I talk about it, the more I feel solid about my number three placement. I do feel bad about taking it out of my top five. You should. Because it's, but there are so, it, it's tied. It's in, it's in there. I just, I don't feel like that. I'm not allowed to do that on these. You're not allowed to do that. Yes uh the last thing I want to say about this show because we didn't say this is the overall premise starting in season one is that the main character Otis's mom is a like sex therapist and he winds up providing some of that emotional support to his classmates in a way where he sort of starts a business with a friend to make money and it's it's just like all of the little stories of people's relationships come from them talking to him about their problems uh, just in case we didn't cover that. Okay. So that was your number two, number three. And then we already talked about Stranger Things. My number, yeah, that was my number three. And my number two is Stranger Things. So what's your number two? My number two is also a little bit of a wild card. I decided on Master of None because oh. I know. Yeah. I <laughs> Did you watch Master that? of None? I watched the first season. I thought it was fine. I tried to watch the second season and I couldn't which reminds me of last week when I said I never do that to a show actually that is a time I did that I love season two which is interesting to me I am also interested I didn't like it I quit I couldn't do it I don't know maybe I need to try it again this is one that might be whatever the opposite of recency bias is like suffering from looking back on it with nostalgia I like, like you said, I watched the first season. I liked it fine. I don't think it would have made it on my top five list, but I have such a strong, (laughs) positive association with the second um, season. I just think I, I remember loving everything about the production, like the soundtrack, the stories, the way, like the pace, the stories were told. Um, Yeah. I, I I don't want to get, there are so many different stories and like, um, minor characters that get little arcs that I can't really go into all of it but the premise of Master of None in general is I mean it's this comedy series from Aziz Ansari which I also have mixed I don't remember there were there were some things about Aziz Ansari but his comedy is not always for me and I did like this show so do with that what you will but Aziz Ansari and Alan Yang uh, were the creators of the show and it's it's sort of a like drama with romance tilt about dating at least in the first uh in the first season but it also is concerned a lot with like intergenerational conflicts and like being a second generation immigrant and having parents that feel a different way than you and just it was telling stories that I had I was familiar with because of friends but like not intimately familiar with in some ways and then other episodes would be so to like feel so familiar to me it just I really liked the experience of watching this show and then um it also like there are episodes that are about workplace awkwardness and like millennial anxieties I just remember really liking all of it and I again haven't seen it in about two three years so who knows how I'll feel but 
yeah, master of none, <laughs> number two. I feel very shocked that that is your number two. I don't know how I feel about it. I guess I kind of feel like I should watch season two. I have always thought maybe I'd go back and try it because what I do feel like was valid from last week's me saying that I never quit a show is like, if I quit a show, I never actually, like I, I don't put it on my like, oh, I dropped this or whatever Mm -hmm. people say. Like I have it on my like, please continue watching in some point list, even though it's been there for literally years. I, yeah, I, I wish that I had rewatched it more recently. The second season starts in Italy uh, and then has a, but has a banger soundtrack, which I listen to when I'm cooking all the time. And I think I just really liked the arc of the, it, it was more of a uh, coherent story in the second season. I don't want to say too many things, but I, it stuck enough with me that I, yeah, that I wanted it on my top five. And I think I panicked and put it in number two because it like, it's not that I like it better than Stranger Things. What? Jenny, I just realized I watched all of season two. I'm talking about season three. I stopped watching oh. season three. I don't know that I watched season three. Is that, am I when not you allowed said to put Italy, I was like, oh, I totally saw this whole season and I really liked it. You're right. Yeah, it's good. I don't remember season, season three Season two was good. Ooh, no, season that. three I didn't watch. I started watching and I quit. Wow. Uh-oh, maybe you I didn't did even too. watch season three and this is on your list. Oops. Mm. Listen, I uh, really like season two. It stuck with me. Season two okay. was good. No, no, no. You're right. It was good. I think my bias against this show came from me trying to watch season three and being like, nope. But I think That's maybe if I had fair. stopped at season two, I would be into it. It was a I good season. I don't, it wasn't really a standout to me, but I did enjoy it. I liked the Italy stuff. Yeah. You are okay. a fraud. Yep. <laughs> State of the year. I need to go probably watch season three and then maybe I'll change my mind. Oh, I'm so excited to tell you. I mean, everyone is. Yeah, tell me. Can you guess? I like when you guess. But there are so many Netflix shows. Okay, hold on. I know. Uh, I don't know how you're possibly going to guess just because I don't know that. I I don't know how you're going to think of it. But I think when I say it, you'll be like, yeah. It's not. Okay, then I don't don't think I know what it is. Because I was going to be like, it's definitely not The Crown. It's definitely not Dark. It's neither of those. Oh, is one of those your number one? Anyway, I'll say my number one. My number one is The Haunting of Hill House. Oh, okay. I should have known. Yeah, that's well, that's, but that's what I was like. I don't think you're gonna think of it, but once I say it, I think it's gonna make sense because you haven't seen this one, yeah. and I definitely don't think that you can handle this one. It is like <gasps> okay. it has a lot of straight up horror elements. Fair. It's seemingly a horror series. I I think that's it's definitely still the right genre to put it in, but people think like a slasher movie, or they think like. Uh, what's that one with the doll? What's that movie that has Becky? like a bunch of movies now? No, Becky, although no. I mean that's still a, it's still an example. That's I was thinking of like doll, right? that is that is still <laughs> a movie about a doll that is a horror Just movie. Just not the one I was thinking of. So there's this C, but it's not Coraline. <laughs> it's, it's definitely like not Chuck. The, no, well, The Conjuring was the first movie in this like universe of movies, oh. and then it's basically about the this like couple. Anyway, I'm getting so off track. The point is, there's like supernatural horror movies. There's slasher movies. Horror tends to be very like straightforward, spooky, jump scares, whatever. In the last like maybe decade, but five years or so, this concept, and this is a dumb term, but I'm going to use it because other people have used it. There's this concept of elevated horror, which is like there's something else to the story. There's some underlying message or meaning or like how the Babadook is actually about grief. Yeah. Exactly. And The Haunting of Hill House is such a beautiful allegory 
for grief and the stages of grief. And it's crazy because it took me a while to even realize that that's what it was. I expected just like a spooky, scary show with jump scares and you get into the season, you're, you're watching these episodes and it becomes so much more than that. And it's just so well done. Like this show just makes me so excited. I'm so excited to rewatch it in October. That is my, that is my rewatching time because it's the best for spooky season. It's just so beautiful. It's, you it's somehow flops. scary and beautiful. Not on this show, but you flip flop a lot on whether or not I should watch this. <laughs> well, I feel like I'm just sure now, I would like you to, but I don't think you can. <laughs> don't tell me what I can do. Um, well, maybe I just keep telling you you can't because then you will. Yeah, that's fair. I, ha- yeah, I do like I, but to your point, like I've I've wanted to watch shows or movies like get out and I haven't because I am still a little scared but I feel like that has a similar like it's got it's got layers it's horror but it's also yeah so I I see your point there are there are things that I would like to watch that are in that genre and I just haven't made it a priority because I'm a little um a little ooked um a little ooked yeah a little ooked and spooked spooked (laughs) and ooked please Jenny I also got distracted while you were talking about horror because you say your O's different. I say horror, but I guess that goes with like orange, orange. You say horror and I say horror. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Can you say the fruit that is not an apple for me? Sometimes, no. Sometimes I say orange and horror and then sometimes I say orange and horror because sometimes I think maybe I shouldn't sound like I'm from Philly so much, but it comes out anyway. You say all your vowels like Philly, and sometimes I do too, but sometimes I don't. I don't think it's well. We can get into this later because I, I say it different it to uh, like Carter and his family and all of their. Yeah, well, it's not everybody who says they're. I mean, does Carter have the Philly A? What's the Philly A? Like family instead of family. That's Philly. All right, yes, we need Jenny. Separate- you have a Philly accent <laughs> for sure. Okay, uh, moving on. My number one is Bojack Horseman. I think I have like oh. a mid-Atlantic. Wait, really? <laughs> I'm still stuck not, on this. Not we're moving on past that. Yeah, I really. Bojack Horseman. I have never seen a single episode of Bojack Horseman. I also didn't know you liked it that much. That is new I information. Don't know. Uh, this is one of the ones where I don't know if you would like it because I don't think of you as liking animated series. I don't know if you've ever watched a full. Uh, I like Over the Garden Wall. It's like my favorite show. Yes, that is objectively just like an amazing, amazing show. So good. I'm so excited to rewatch it. I'm literally like counting down the days to October 1st. I've, I've already rewatched it once this year. <laughs> like Earlier last than spooky season? Oh, yeah, I first, first you just got a, a head jump on that. <laughs> a head jump. A head jump. <laughs> <laughs> I saw something, just a real brief uh, departure. I saw someone talking about how they're like a film student and they felt really silly and duped because every time anyone would ask them if they'd seen Over the Garden Wall, they'd be like, yes, I don't I really saw understand why too. everyone <laughs> over It was a TikTok. It was so <sighs> funny. I laughed so hard at that. She was picturing Over the Hedge, which is that dumb animated movie from like 2005. <laughs> she so was good. like, I feel like the vibes are different from how I remember that movie. <laughs> Hilarious. It is very, Bojack Horseman is very different from Over the Garden Wall, but equally good and just like very consistent in the way it does. Okay. It is an animated comedy slash drama. It's about a horse guy. So Bojack Horseman is a very apt title. The titular character is 
a former Hollywood actor played voiced by Will Arnett. He's washed up. His show aired in the nineties. It was a very like full house type show. And he's attempting a career comeback in the present ish era. The, a lot of the other voice actors are very well-known people like Alison Brie co-stars as a ghostwriter for his upcoming novel. Um, and Aaron Paul voices Bojack's like roommate and um, friend Todd. Amy Sedaris plays his agent who happens to be a cat, Princess Carolyn. The whole show deals with these like serious, it's, it's mainly uh, mainly explores depression, addiction, and trauma, I would say, are like the three pillars of things that this show explores. But it is, in essence, a comedy. It's just like a very, it's your classic, like, dark comedy. But because it's in an animated form, there are a lot of animal puns, there are a lot of visual gags that are able to be done because it is in uh, animated form. And it's like the colorful animation is such a great foil to the darker subjects that it tries to explore I can't I can't describe yeah I I've seen this now twice all the way through I'm definitely influenced because a couple of people in my life like this is their favorite show I think it's just objectively like a very good show for anyone who is interested in those darker topics that I just mentioned which I feel like touch a lot of people most people in the world can like cite personal experiences with depression, addiction, or trauma, even if it's not in yourself and it's in like a family member or something. And it's like really beautifully written and also is very, very, very funny. So it's like a great, I don't want to say seesaw of emotions because it's it's just like done really well, but yeah. I'm intrigued. I actually had no idea what it was about and I didn't know that all those people voiced it. And now I feel silly. <laughs> it I also has- Uninformed. No, don't, but you should watch it. Um, yeah, it's also, there are quite a few seasons and throughout the seasons, voice like famous actors will voice themselves as little guest appearances in the show. So that's fun. You, they're just, it's really fun to recognize all the people that are actually in it. But yeah, Bojack Horseman, my number one. I feel pretty on top of the world when I recognize like an actor who I've only seen in one other thing before, especially if it's been a long time, but I feel like so the most level. powerful person in the world when I recognize a voice in an animated movie or show. Yes. Yeah, it's, like, it's, I feel it's like a, God. It's a drug. It's a high for sure. That's so interesting that that was your number one. Shall we do yeah. honorable mentions? Yeah. I think my honorable mentions will, you'll, they're more along the lines of what you would expect. Do you want to list yours? And then we can talk about ones further if we would like. Sure. So I already said sex education, which you're right. Truthfully, deserves a spot in my top five. Um, I also included Dark, the German sci-fi series that I encouraged you to watch earlier. I want to say this year, maybe even last year. I included The Crown because it is really good, but to be honest, it does sometimes bore me. And so it doesn't deserve a top like in my top five, but I, it's like an iconic show and I do always come back and wind up watching. American Vandal, have you seen that? No, actually. I've heard good things though. Yeah, it was really good. I watched it while I was living abroad. Um, and so it's like firmly sort of ironed into my memory, uh, like the place where I watched it. It's very silly. It's a true crime parody. And it takes like all the tropes and proceedings we're used to searing in these deadly serious documentaries, but applied to really low stakes cases. Um, like the first season investigates these this immature vandalism someone's drawing like dicks in a high school parking lot 
Um, the second one is trying to identify the quote unquote turd burglar who has laced the cafeteria lunches with laxatives, like very silly, non-adult like humor things. But then the, <laughs> the like proceedings that are carried out are very serious. So it's really funny and fun. Um, it's a little bit of a takedown of true crime trappings of late. And then a little bit of a like, snarky takedown of like high school culture these days of like millennial gen z culture uh and it's really good it's a little crass okay never have i ever is on my on my honorable mentions just because it's a cute show and i really 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 liked those teens those characters squid game is on my honorable mentions uh as is 1899 r.i.p babylon berlin and glow and then Afterlife, but I've only seen the first season, so I can't really, I, I guess I included Master of None without seeing it to completion, but those are all mine. What was the like second to last one? Babel in Berlin. Babylon, Berlin. Babylon, Berlin. What is that? I've never heard of that. I think that was one of the first original German language Netflix series. It was, I want to say released in like 2018, 2017 again, watched while I was living in Germany. So it was like on my Netflix screen, large and big when it first came out. Uh, it's a like drama, crimey show. It's like a noir, but set in Berlin in the early 1900s, uh, in the 1920s, I want to say. Why are you making that face? Just, just somehow sounds like something I should want to watch and also really don't want to watch. And I <laughs> don't know what to make of that. I will. I it's the mix of the like thriller mystery crime aspects and the like period piece German aspects. And my likes and dislikes are fighting with each other. Yeah, it's not period piece in the like Jane Austen-y period piece that you seem to dislike. But it, it's do you dislike the 1920s? Just like anything that's older than like the 80s. Okay. Well, not always, but Queen's Gambit then. <laughs> yeah, honestly, that's why I haven't. Huh, okay. But I, but I've heard such good things about it that I think I need to get over that and actually watch it. It's not a it's not a rule. It's just a general like a, at this point, I know myself well enough that it's just I don't yeah. always like the old stuff. It's like with me and horror, I guess. I guess everyone has their preferences. All right, now is your turn to list some honorable mention shows. Okay, the ones that overlap. I have Grace and Frankie on mine, and that's like it. it gets like top tier in the honorable mentions at least, if not like should have deserved a spot in my top five. And that's for reasons yeah. that I've already said. I also have Squid Game on mine. I think Squid Game is so entertaining. I almost wondered as I was putting it not in my top five if it's because it's like Stranger Things, like almost too basic. Like, oh, was yeah. I not putting it in my top five because everybody watched Squid Game when it came out? Or am I not putting it in there because it's actually not as good as the other five? Or in my own opinion, I should say. I think it's something in between. I really do think Alice in Borderland is is like a more interesting show. And I felt like I could only have one of those in the top five because, like I said, very similar You want to spread the wealth. Yeah. And everyone's seen Squid Game. I don't need to put it on my list. <laughs> okay, what else? I think those are my own. Oh, you know what? I had Dark on here. Ooh. I have mixed feelings because the third season I, I really too. struggled with. But the first two seasons are like genuinely very genius. They remind me of Twin Peaks in some ways where yeah. it's like 
Did I love every moment of it or was I mostly confused? But then in the end, was I like, wow, that was really good. Yeah. And just like Twin Peaks. <laughs> in my in my notes for if we talked about dark, I did write the story gets a little convoluted, like going from season two to season three. But the acting score cinematography, super solid throughout. Like good story, good wrap up good twist the casting i still i'll never get over how good that casting is the old versus the young actors i straight up thought one of them was in prosthetics the (laughs) dad of mikhail and the older version of the dad i literally thought that was the same actor in prosthetics i have to look it up because i don't remember exactly but yeah yeah i remember wild how good that is crazy good and non-overlaps i have lupin which we just talked mm-hmm. about recently. Yeah, I expected that. that comes back soon, so I'm excited. I have Russian Doll, which I don't know if you've seen. I haven't. I recognize that it is good and that I probably should, though. So It's another dark comedy one that's done really well. It's mixed with, like, sort of sci-fi paranormal elements, which are which like. mostly done really well. I think season two is, like, a little bit of a disappointment to me, so I didn't put it in my top I also have Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt on my list. I waffled about that one. I don't think I will ever rewatch it. And I think that's what finally made my decision to not put it on my list. That's fair. It's not a comedy that I like to rewatch, but I feel like that with almost all of the Tina Fey comedies because I think they're funny and interesting. Yeah, I don't rewatch 30 Rock. It's to me, I don't know. There's something about her sense of humor that like I like it the first time through. But it doesn't scratch that, yeah. like, the way Parks and Rec and The Office, like, just make me, like, so happy while I watch them. Like, her stuff just makes me, like, uncomfortable. <laughs> you know what one, though, I think is um, the exception that I think we've talked about is the one, the um, true uh, news, good news. Great news. Great news. <laughs> yeah, I, I can rewatch watch Great News. It's, I think it's because of Andrea years. Savage. Is that her name? No, that's an entirely different actress. What the heck is that lady's name? <laughs> The main character. Who's oh, the, the only murders. The yeah. mother. Yeah. Oh, I love her. Uh, but yeah, the mom in that is. I'm so sad that I just called her Andrea Savage. That is the lady from Tulsa King. But Unbreakable Commissioner. That's my last honorable mention. I I feel like I need to also say two shows that I'm. I feel like people will listen to this and be like, "How did they not name these two shows?" And I'm just mm. gonna be honest. I haven't seen Ozark, and I haven't seen Mindhunter. Oh. Yes, I knew. I thought maybe you had seen Mindhunter. I was actually because I should have seen it. Because it's literally so far up my alley. Yeah. But that's actually the reason I haven't seen it. And it doesn't make any sense to everyone I ever say this to. But I loved the actual, the book Mindhunter written by John Douglas. It's a memoir about his time as an FBI profiler. And he was like the first one. And it goes through all of his cases. And the show is, from what I understand, loosely based on him. But definitely like the inspiration is there. And I was so attached to Mr. John Douglas at a certain time <laughs> in my life. Like I read all of his books. My Nudger was so good. Journey into Darkness. I literally have it on my bookshelf right here. So so I didn't watch it because I it was like it was like your favorite book becoming yeah. a movie. The way you get so scared about that. I was so scared. So I never watched it. But I've heard it's amazing and I have to get past this because I want to watch it. Isn't Jonathan Groff in yeah, Mindhunter? Isn't it? That um Sprat, when I was looking up to make sure I hadn't missed any Netflix shows that I really liked. I saw his face like as I was scrolling through. I was like, oh, I didn't realize it seems like a different role. It's also, it's David Fincher. Oh, which you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it has to be incredible. And from everything I've heard it is. <laughs> and so I like hate myself for not having watched it, but I also 
there's something deep inside of me that is really hard to fight. I too haven't seen, I mean, I haven't seen either of them, but I was going to say Ozark. I feel similarly. I saw it and I was like, oh, I really should watch this. I don't feel like it. I feel like I'm I just, past. I think I'd be depressed watching it. That's I, the vibe I get from it. I also feel a little like I missed the boat. There probably a time will come a few years down the road where I'll be like, oh, I need something good to watch that I haven't seen. And I might pick up Ozark, but it's like Breaking Bad. I cannot admit this. I have not seen the full Breaking Bad. I just admitted it. You can um, admit it. I've seen I it, missed, but I I understand. I just like missed the craze. And I'm now, it just feels like an undertaking. It it was an undertaking. I also watched it after it was completely finished, like years later. And I watched it because I was like, everyone says this is like the best show the best, ever. Yeah. So I need to watch it to see. And while I was watching it, I was like, I'm miserable. Like, this is a depressing show, but I'm happy that I watched it because it is incredible. Like, it, it's yeah. it's hard because it's like, it's it's so hard to binge, but then it's like, how else are you going to watch seven seasons of a show if you in any reasonable amount of time? Yeah. yeah. But it's, so it's like worth watching, but I get it. I do feel I've like seen... maybe people are going to revoke our TV talking abilities because neither of us have seen Ozark. That feels, yeah. I don't know. It's like the show that, it's one of the shows that it was so popular as it came out, but I I don't know. I feel like I heard that it got like less good as it went on. I too have heard that. I I don't feel I don't feel that bad. I'm just gonna put that there. I will eventually watch it. You know what? I am surprised that you didn't include Black Mirror in any of your honorable mentions. Uh, just a tiny bit. I thought about it, but got the it. best seasons of that show were before it was a Netflix show. Like Fair. for sure, way better before it was a Netflix show, and I think I have like I'm taking a stance against it. That's being yeah. on Netflix. That's reasonable. Uh, I have not seen Narcos. That was one of the ones that I think people are really into, but it's not generally my go-to I genre either. Oh, or Money Heist. I haven't seen no. that one either. I also haven't popular. seen. I have. I know nothing about the Umbrella Academy. Oh, we're uh, about to literally get canceled. We have to I stop. Think we might be listing all the things we haven't seen. <laughs> There's so much TV, guys. There's so much TV. We've seen you would be a, like appalled to see how much Jess and I have watched like together, and yet we've been <laughs> seen so can't much. watch everything. Uh, The Witcher haven't seen. Sorry, no, that's just not at all my vibe. <laughs> uh, I think those are the main ones, like Narcos. I know, I know, people are really into um, and Ozark. I I think we did it. We did it. You've made it all the way through. I think this was under an hour somehow, incredibly. It wasn't bad. I think we we expedited our opinions. And next time we'll do Hulu probably would be the next one. I, I feel like we, easier. what's the phrase? Like ate the elephant or ate the frog or what, whatever the phrase is for like, I think I got this from corporate America. Swallowed it was like, <laughs> do the thing that you don't want to do first so that it's out of the way. It's the only mm-hmm. way you'll do it. Like I feel like that was with Netflix. I was like, we just have to do it. I mean, we might eat our words. Maybe Hulu's harder than we think, but we'll see. Find links to follow us on socials and subscribe to our newsletter in the show notes of this episode. Thank you for listening to Double Take. If you like what you heard, please support us by subscribing and leaving a review. See you next time. The Double Take podcast is produced by Jess Ball and me, Jennifer Cullen. 